listening to Talking Rugby with me, Matt Burke. G'day, I'm Matt Burke and welcome to 10 Speaks podcast, Talking Rugby. Today we're throwing in a change up. We're giving the players a rest and getting a different perspective of this Rugby World Cup and heating up a member of the coaching staff. This man was a Waratah and a Wallaby and in his day was known for his aggression on the field, his devastating tackling and loved a don't argue. Since finishing his playing days, the coaching bug took over and now finds himself in the Wallabies set up as assistant coach. Today, I am talking rugby with my old teammate, Nathan Gray. Grazy, g'day, mate. G'day, Bergie. Hi, buddy. <laughs> I'm well, I'm well. Mate, look, let's go back to, to 99 straight away. Oh, wow. Rugby yep. World Cup win. Do you just drop that to the boys every now and then and just sort of, just a reminder, is, is that the seat for the Rugby World Cup winners <laughs> over there? No, mate, it's, um, it's funny. Sometimes, occasionally in meetings, um, Czech will sort of mention about being a world champion and being able to hold that cup. And I'm not lying to you. I do sit up the back and I kind of put a little finger up and go, yeah, I've been lucky enough to win one. But it's, um, yeah, being a part of this tournament, it's, uh, it's huge. And trying to pass on a little, little bit of knowledge and a little bit of experience to the players is a, is a real goal of mine as a coach. And um, I want this team to, to emulate that, that, that feat. How hard is that to not blow your own trumpet you know you've, you've been there done that in amongst a, a, a pretty solid crew you, everyone contributed to that outfit um, what, what are the words that you're telling the guys at the same time yeah it's more um, it's more really encouraging these guys the 20 sort of 19 Wallabies to create their own history um, each team you know you and I have been involved in a lot of teams you create your own history and you have those own special memories and, and that, those memories stay with those players and, and they're really unique. And I suppose as a coach now, um, trying to instill in our players that sort of thirst to chase those memories and create those memories. And, and also as a coach as well, you know, you get, a, you get an opportunity to create history. And, and that's something that's very, uh, very intoxicating. So how did you get into the coaching gig? I was going to ask you about, well, first off, where do you sit on the bus now that you're a coach? That's the important part. <laughs> it is the big questions. Um, mate, I'm three from the back. Uh, sorry, three from the front. Um, Checks up the front on the front left, and I used to be in behind him, but big Simon Rao Louis uh, taken my seat, and I'm not going to argue with him. So uh, I'm, I'm one further back on the left hand side, mate. Because there's a hierarchy as well. <laughs> do, the, do the forwards still own the back of the bus? Absolutely, and it's sort of uh, those, those players with the most caps. Willie G, Swoop, Keps, the, the Centurions, they're, they're up the back dominating the chat. Um, but I, I honestly don't think the chat is as good at what it used to be. It's a little bit more maybe the chat about the latest song that's coming out or the new uh, or what new hairdo the boys are going to go for the, 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 the current week. Now talk to me about your coaching. You mentioned the, uh, where you are now and it's, you know, it's, it's the highest of highest. I suppose the next step up would be a head coaching role uh, for that to trump what you're doing now. But you started in Japan, early days, um, player coach and then went to Rebels, then Waratahs, had success there. Was this always on the cards or was the corporate life sort of beckoning after footy finished? Yeah, mate, it's a really good question because I, when I was playing, um, you know, old players used to come in and, and coaches, different coaches and whatnot, and I thought, you know what, when I finish playing, I want to get out. I want to go and do something different. So I went and played in Japan and, and played a couple of years over there and part of my deal was coaching. And I, I sort of said to myself, yeah, look, I didn't really want to coach, but yeah, I'll help out the Japanese guys, whatnot. And then when I got over there and the head coach was Adrian Thompson, so I was lucky to have him as a head coach as well. Um, I really got intoxicated by just seeing the value of passing on a little bit of information to players 
and then seeing them deliver that on the field and, and watching them develop not only as footy players but also as, 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 as young men. Um, that, was, that was something that I really enjoyed. And, and then I, you know, I, did my, I did my uni, did my marketing degree and did my master's over there while I was, while I was in Japan because I wanted to get into advertising, going to go into advertising. That was sort of where I was leaning towards. And then I sort of got started coaching. Rob McQueen rang and said, mate, would you be interested in putting your hat in the ring for the Rebels job? And I thought, oh, uh, yeah, for sure. That'd be great. Good opportunity, potentially get back home. And then, yeah, I, I really loved it. Had a great, great couple of years at the Rebels, or three years with the Rebels when they started out, um, being able to contribute not only to the footy, but also to sort of the building of a new identity. And that was something that really, really uh, drove me to, towards that role. And then um, got the opportunity with the, with the Waratahs and... Yeah, and, and had a, had some success there, and, and then when sort of Ewan McKenzie um, resigned and Czech sort of ended up taking over at the start, um, 2014, um, Czech sort of said, "Mate, I need you to come on the spring tour with me," and I was wow, couldn't believe it. It certainly was in my um, ambitions to want to coach the Wallabies, but to be honest, it sort of came around pretty quick, um, a lot quicker than what I sort of thought, mm. um, but. You're never going to sort of say no to, to having the opportunity to, to, to coach your country. So I jumped at it and um, probably was the legs were under the water swimming very quickly to try and survive at that level. But, um, yeah, very comfortable here now and, and, and love the experience that, that it is. is. Is it as intimidating in the coaching role as it is when you sort of first started playing? I mean, there's a responsibility that you have to look after not only 15, 23 and maybe more blokes. Yeah, it's... It, it is a real shift. It's a real shift because as a player, you, you need to be a little bit selfish um, to get your preparation right, to go through your processes and whatnot and have that understanding amongst the playing group. As a coach, it's, it's all about the guys and it's all about preparing them. So I, I, the start of my week is very, is very crazy, but the back end, you know, because if I've done the work, it's very relaxed where I think as a player, it's probably the other way around. You start to stress a little bit more heading towards the game, but... As a coach, you you sort of you want to part that knowledge on, and then encourage the guys to to be the best versions of themselves. So that's sort of definitely part of the role. And you know, you're a, you're certainly a skills coach and a and a tackling coach and a rugby coach, but you're also a, a human coach as well. So mm. a lot of what we do is a, has a has a strong psychological twist. Do you get nervous? No, I don't, mate. I I only get nervous if I'm not prepared, and I think. I learned that very on early on as a coach. Um, if you if you get your preparation right, the the nerves should take care of themselves. You definitely love those big occasions, and you you feel a little bit nervous for the players around uh, around executing the the plan. But from a big nerves perspective, yeah, if I'm not ready, I get I get I get nervous. But if I've done the work and I, and I know that the boys are ready to go, I, I have a quiet sense of confidence about the the outcome. Is your mantra similar to when you play? Because you, you went hard when you're playing. Yeah. Uh, I remember, I do remember that game when I, I, I was playing outside centre, I think it was, you were playing inside. You just made a massive hit. I remember yelling out to you, I said, mate, what's the play? And you turn around, your eye had swollen over and you just had your eye lifted up, trying to see out of one eye, going, yeah, yeah, mate, we've got a, you know, a, a league two, whatever it is. Uh, do, you, are you, do you promote the same thing? Is, is, it, is it do or die out there? Yeah, it is. Um you really want to encourage the players to sort of find and create their own identity. I certainly, the, when I played, I, I had a certain skill set that was applicable to my teammates. And, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, wasn't the, 
the biggest guy or the fastest guy, but I had a, I could I could whack people and I enjoyed that. So I think coaches enjoyed having that component of of part of their team. So mm. you know now I can't encourage that on all the players because they all have different aspects that are, that we want to blossom and want to shine and develop. So uh, you know my, my sort of my. The playing days are done. The, the, I get the most joy now out of seeing the guys be successful and enjoy their rugby. Can you teach aggression, though, to players? Because uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a contact sport. It's a physical sport. And, you know, I, I always say to people that if you win that contact battle, you, you've done half your job. So can you teach that aggression in blokes? I think you teach it and through... Girls. Yeah, I think you teach it through having a really good understanding of one technique two outcome of what you're trying to what you're trying to achieve and then three how how that can help your team uh, the aggression side of the game is needs to be a foundation of what we of what the game's about because it's a, it's a contact collision sport so winning those collisions is really important um, the emphasis on those collisions are different with all different players but mm. we try and educate or I try and educate the the guys around the importance and how how positive that can be for the team and and everyone can do that. Everyone has the ability to do that. To give you uh, and, and everyone listening a perspective of, of this bloke, and you're talking about you know making hits, uh, I, may, I may or may not have a couple of games recorded on uh, on at the moment and uh, at home. And one of them, one is the Lions game when you slotted Brian O'Driscoll. And I think I've even recorded like I videoed that and recorded it and sent it to you. I, I sent it to you every yeah. now and then, just going, "What a hit." How do you? I mean, it's like hitting, it's like hitting a driver uh, off the first, and you just don't feel the, the great shot. Absolutely, yeah. um, that was one of the best hits I've ever seen. Um, and everyone comes in and gives you the pump at the same time. I'm pumping your tyres up here, mate. Um, how does uh, in, in a team environment now that you're in now? Uh, how tight is everyone when when things go well, or, or, or should I say when things go badly? You know, we had a a rough trot against Wales yesterday. Yep, everyone's tight. Yeah. I imagine. Yeah, absolutely. The the thing is, all the different components of the skills of rugby, each player can bring a different part, and that's being a, being a coach. And you know, Michael Checker, the head coach with the Wallabies, he's very good at selecting the right sort of people to and skill sets to to create the team. Um, you need the guys who are very good, at, you know, contesting the ball in the air. You need the guys who are very good defenders. You need the guys who can beat people one on one. So. Being able to find those people and, and extract those out of people is something that is, as a coach, you really want to encourage that. And you want all the boys to, to really enjoy their footy. Um, and, and going back to answering your question about are, are the players tight, the boys get a buzz when things go well. The guys get a buzz when things don't go well and then you find a way to, to, to get the victory. Um, probably the Fiji, Fiji game was a good example where the guys just stuck to each other, stuck to their processes, um, and we're able to get get a good solid win again. Wales last night, um, you know, we sort of they got out to a start um, through through our own errors, and we sort of gave them a couple of tries. And then the guys dug in and found a way to score points and hang on to the ball and 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 nearly take the game away from Wales. So the boys are certainly stinging and and, and hurting from that, but there's a, a quiet sense of achievement around looking in towards one another and you get the positives and you, you take the good things out of the game and the learnings and you move forward. And, and how, how is that moving forward? Is it, is it literally done deal, uh, assess what you've done and move forward now to Uruguay? No, we'll mourn. Yeah, we'll definitely mourn. Um, we'll have a really good look at it over the next couple of days and, and then it's a matter of shifting our focus to Uruguay and onto Georgia. So 
that's that's going to be uh, we'll take stock of the performance and, and and look at the things that we did well and and that we didn't, and then we're we're going to move forward. This tournament's a, a pretty dynamic beast, so you've got to you've got to assess, check, and then move on as quickly as possible because uh, a, a big competition, a big a big test is coming up. How much uh, how much chat do you do when you're on the field? Because you you run the the water as well. Yep. Uh, how much chat? Uh, is in and around you and giving messages and that kind of stuff, just for the perspective of people yeah. going on. Are you asking water or Gatorade, or yeah, are, you, are you actually giving some messages? <laughs> no, on the I'm, um, so I'm 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 on the sideline, and you're allowed one assistant coach on the sideline. So I'm I'm oh, you can have two actually, two on the sidelines. So I sort of get messages from uh, from the box from Czech and and the guys in the Simon Rao, Louis and Mick Byrne in the box, and if there's um, I'll get the messages out to either to either the captain or the specific players. So the vantage point on the sideline is not so is not is not great. So you don't get that perspective. So being able to to do a lot of hands-on coaching during the game is quite limited. It's more around just keeping guys focused, keeping them keeping them identifying where their opportunities might be and then passing on messages around tactical stuff or specific stuff for like scrum and line out and whatnot. So yeah, it's a it, you're not out there revving the boys up you're definitely not. Occasionally, you might get out there and fire a few guys up, being really positive, mm. um, to sort of get the feel of it. But the players are very much in control on the field, and the captain and the leadership group they certainly do the bulk of the talking. And yeah, if, if occasionally you need to kick someone's ass from an area, you do it. But um, now you certainly let the guys let the guys run the show. Yeah. Uh, what about your assistant coach? Now <clears throat> I can hear your passion when you when you're talking about it. It's fantastic. Is the head coaching gig is that the is that the pinnacle is that the final thing for you or because I imagine there's extra responsibility in going with that as well? Yeah, it's it's something that I certainly want to want to do looking into the future. Um, whether the time's right right now, I'm very much focused on on this World Cup and, and getting this doing the best possible job that we can do here. Yeah. Um, but that's uh, that's something that I'd like to do in the future, and you know, it's just a bit all about timing and opportunities and. Um, but yeah, it's it's a very different role. It's a you do a lot less coaching, um, and you do a lot more a lot more management side of things because you've got to deal with the sort of whole gambit of different uh, commercial boards. Um, you know, it's, it's it's a big gig, so it's something that I would uh, that I'd like to take the challenge of doing. But at the moment, I'm really loving the role of the assistant, and um, yeah, it's all about it's all about opportunity. Time to take a quick break. Stay with us. We're having a chat with Wallaby's assistant coach, Nathan Gray. See you soon. Need a break from ad breaks? Join 10 All Access to enjoy binge-worthy shows and live news ad-free. Stream your favourite Channel 10 and US shows like Survivor, NCIS and I'm a Celebrity Get Me Out of Here. Discover exclusive originals. Plus, watch fast-tracked series before they premiere on Channel 10. Watch 10 All Access whenever, wherever and never miss your favourite show again. Join now and get one month free for new subscribers at 10allaccess.com.au. Welcome back to Talking Rugby with me, Matt Burke. We're in Tokyo chatting with Wallabies defence coach Nathan Gray. 
Let's go back to early days. Uh, you, I think you played two games for Queensland. Uh, back Don't tell anyone that. Yeah, mate. I know. Yeah. I know. That's that's the next All question. Right, <laughs> you, you were blue through and through. Is a little bit of Queenslander in you? Is there is there anything? You went to the Southport School as well. So yeah. same school as Matt Rogers. Yes. Um, is there any Queenslander in you? No, mate. None. There's no Queenslander <laughs> in me. I hate them. <laughs> well, um. <laughs> well done. I love yeah, it. I've got uh, I've got memories etched into my mind. Uh, boarding house um, at TSS on the Gold Coast there. Uh, state of origin, just in the boarding house, 90 boys watching the game, every try that's scored, whoever scores, the opposition gets bashed. So <laughs> I, got, uh, I got bashed a fair bit when we were growing up, but also through a few when, we're, when the Blues got up. <laughs> so you came down the Waratahs uh, early days, settled in Manly, um, uh, had a great run there playing a bit of club footy, but obviously most of it was playing super rugby. Uh, 92 games um, in, at centre, one at fly half and one as a flanker. Do you tell know. everyone that? Man, I'm not sure where. I don't... It was flank. I remember yeah. you played. I remember you played. I, 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 looked, I looked up all the stats. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I think I might have spent 15, 20 minutes at flanker or something. Respect? Yeah. Oh. Well, at school, I played number eight and in the, at, at, at fly half. So I played sort of 10 and eight at school. Um, but... Yeah, mate, I love my time at the Tars and part of a part of a great group of blokes that you're obviously involved in there. So um, lifelong friends, so big good good memories. Th- those memories uh, that we had and we share, and there's there seems to be lots of stories. And and I always get criticised by starting a story by saying, "Hey, back in 1996." <laughs> yeah, exactly, you've already laughed. Uh, do the same? Do the guys have the same memories now, or, or is it different fun? Yeah, they, they do. They're creating their own um, little snippets of, of great memories. But it is. It's very different, mate. It's, uh, you know, the, the way things are these days with social media and whatnot, it's, it's, they have just as much fun. It's just a bit different. And it's not, it's not better, it's not worse, it's just different. And it's, uh, the uniqueness of it is that it's theirs. So mm. they're creating their own history and, and having their own fun. And, you know, a perfect example is, you know, Keps was talking about how the boys were bonding in the in the sauna in the in the onsen, like twenty five guys hanging out just hanging nude in the onsen just having a chat. Like in our day, I don't know whether it's, that's going on, but yeah, you know, that's it's it's good, it's unique, and it's theirs, and that's yeah. that's that's special. Uh, do you have any heroes growing up? Heroes growing up, um, probably, mate. It's a, not not really. I wouldn't say heroes. Um, I, I certainly. Learn a lot, lot from my dad, um, and certainly around him. But also, sort of different coaches that I had, and, and teachers that I had at school. Actually, I mm. had boarding school for a long time, and um, you know, a lot of a lot of those people had a big influence on me. So, yeah. But pinpointing one person, I'd probably say my dad. Yeah. Growing up with, uh, I suppose, a guy that was in front of you, Timmy Horan. Yeah. Um, um, what did someone like him give to you on the way through, as, as the and it's it's young bull old bull. Yeah, and I think that I think yeah. the call is still when you see him. It's young yep. bull old bull. Yeah, yeah. I saw Helmy. Saw Helmy. Um, he gave the presented the jerseys to the boys, and yeah, he was someone who uh, who I certainly looked up to as a, as a rugby player. And then being able to play with him and against him was uh, something that really inspired me. He was a guy that you sort of wanted to be like, and I I didn't have I didn't have the exact same skill set as him. Um, but it was something that I wanted to emulate. So being around people like that, um, he sort of was always very encouraging and, and a real special thing with Helmy. I'll, ne- I'll never forget when I did my knee, I did my ACL 
um, I was at home and he rang me and he'd been through the same injury and he sort of said, mate, everything will be all right. You'll, uh, you'll be fine. You'll be able to recover and get back better than ever. And I took that on board and I actually, I actually do that now to, to some of our players when they get injured mm. I'll, I'll, or, or a similar knee injury. I'll give them a call and just sort of pass that on. So it was something that's, uh, that really sticks in my mind. That Waratah uh, time that we had together, um, we didn't have success uh, sadly, we, we had a great time. Mm. But you then switched the ranks and, and win the 2014 season with Super Rugby. What was that like from a coaching perspective? Yeah, it was, it was, it was awesome. Uh, from the perspective of there was a really unique group of guys that um, had a really a common, common purpose and a common focus and went out and did the job. And for me, as an assistant coach under Czech, it was a really good learning curve for me around how to pull a team together and how to motivate a team and, and extract the best out of the team and and get the right mix of players so that you can, one, play the way you want to play and then uh, deliver that in a way that's, um, that's very unique. Um, you know, they won the competition, you know, throwing the most passes, holding the highest possessions um, and having the, having the second best defence in the, in the competition. So... Being able to do that makes you a very dangerous unit, and yeah, great memories of that of that year, and a thirst and a hunger to to want more. I sat on the uh, we jumped on the bandwagon, obviously as you do as the old blokes. They had the the big function at ANZ Stadium. We rolled out. I remember talking to Al Baxter, uh, who was I think on the board of New South Wales Rugby at yep. the time. Yep. And we walked out, and they said, "Hey, here's your tickets," and it was as in general admission. And I thought, hang on, like I'd be sitting up there at the top. Al went up to the top and sat in the, uh, in the box with the, yeah. the, the big guys. It was the greatest thing that I did, we did. We sat down there and I looked around, there was you know, Warwick Ward, Tim Gavin, um, Simon Poitiv and Far Jones, and we're all there. And it was in that bottom corner where uh, Adam Ashley Cooper, Swoopy scored oh, yeah. two tries. No way. And then the kick came our end as well. So <laughs> like talk about ticking the box. And we were pumped, couldn't talk the next day. But the banter going on between a couple of Crusaders guys in front of us was yep. fantastic. Uh, do you still have the same chat with the guys now? Do the guys get to the same, I mean, after a game, have a beer and, and that kind of stuff to the, to the opposition? Can they get that same sort of yeah. bond? So yeah, um, with, the, with the opposition, definitely. Um, you know, after, after series, we, we, have, we go into opposition change rooms or they'll come into ours. So that, that tradition is, is certainly still there, which is great. Um, and you're always, always sort of, you get to know the, the different coaching staff from different teams and whatnot and build relationships and whatnot from bumping into those guys. So that's, you're, it's always very respectful. And, you know, a tournament like this just highlights how, how big our game is and how good mm. it can be for, for so many different reasons. Mm. Um, it's awesome. So, yeah, the guys, still, the guys still get along and have good banter. Not so much. It's, they don't probably come into the change room as much as what we used to, but... Um, and there's not as many beers in the change room as there used to be. That's probably a good thing. But uh, I, I do feel for the guys sometimes because, yeah, they come off the they come off the field. They they got to they get a protein thing shoved in their face. They got to do media. They got to then get weighed. They then sit down and and do their debrief and whatnot. Um, that change room, that locker room, is a really unique place. Mm. And uh, sometimes I think we could probably do that a bit better. What about? Uh take your attention to the Kiwis, that game in Perth this year, yep. outstanding. Uh, and you could probably say no one saw it coming except you guys. Uh, yep. what, was the, what was the difference in that game? How come it all just clicked? Well, I think the guys have just prepared well um, and really backed themselves and went and executed the plan. Like the, it's, um, rugby, rugby done well is, is very simple and a lot of things sort of worked for us that night. 
around uh, being nice and aggressive, targeting New Zealand where we wanted to, both sides of the ball, and it sort of you know instilled a lot of belief in the guys that when when we play the way we want to play, we can uh, we can we can not only beat but we can put points on anyone. Do the boys ask you, and and sadly, but do the boys ask you what the Bledisloe Cup is like because it hasn't yeah. been in there in there. In the hands for a long period of time. No, it hasn't. No, 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 no one has. No one has sort of asked that amongst the players. They, but they're very, they're very cognizant of, of the fact that and how motivated they are to try and get the thing back. It, that's that's not lacking, um, and that's and that's a pleasing thing. The guys certainly, certainly feel a lot around that. So uh, we put us was in an op- in, in a position to to maybe get it this year, and it it's funny because you look back when we held it for a long period of time. It was, there were a lot of those games that were very close and you know when, when you're holding it you, you've only got to win the one game if it's yeah. two games um, so it is easy to hold on to but I've felt the other side of the coin and um, yeah mate we want to get that thing back bad does it bad. burn does it burn I'm, I'm, we'll go back four years now does yeah. it burn in that 2015 final oh um, mate and, and uh, does it still burn it, yeah it stings yeah I've watched it twice and uh, I can take you to every blade of grass where errors were made and whatnot. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a it's a it's a slow burning fire that's there, but it's there, mate, definitely. Do you look at the jigsaw puzzle now enough for that game against Wales, and, yep. and it may be on the other side of the pool now, and potentially coming up against yep. England, New Zealand? I know Czech said the other day it's like not really looking at it. You just yep. got to win on the way through. Yep. Is that the is that the case for you guys now? Yeah, like how yeah, good. Like we we've got an opportunity to really make some history. You know, no team's ever won the tournament from losing a game, uh, and yeah, we've got an opportunity to do that. So the path, our path's going to be hard, but bloody hell, why not take a tough path? And and when you do achieve it, it's going to be even more sweeter. The uh, take you back before the game. How, how's your Japanese experience going so far? Are you? Are you, are you are you the cultural liaison over no, here mate, to the boys? You must be. You must be. Are you fluent? No, no, no. I'm not fluent. Have you got no. anything? Oh, I'm okay. I'm okay with my jap. But uh, there's been a f- few guys have been over here a bit. Swoop, Adam Ashley Cooper's been here a bit. Um, so he's not too bad. And uh, yeah, in that World Cup bubble, you do get to experience Japan a bit. But as you know, these tournaments, it's like clockwork, buses, mm. meetings, bang, bang, bang. Uh, you don't get an awful lot of time to be able to experience Japanese culture, but you do get a little bit of a sniff. But no, I'm not the uh, I'm not the tour guide, mate. Have the boys been out and about? <laughs> have, they, have they enjoyed themselves? Yeah, they have. We've had a couple of days off, and the guys have jumped into town and had a look around and um, created some good memories, doing doing a few things. And uh, yeah, we you need to have that balance. You need to have that that time on, but also the time off to to enjoy it and take it in for what it is. It's a unique experience that they'll never forget for the rest of their life. I had a chat with, uh, with Whitey last week and, uh, and, he, and he mentioned about Disneyland. You guys are here at Disneyland at the moment. Yeah. Uh, and, and, it, and I said, Disneyland? He goes, what? Is there something wrong with that? It was like, <laughs> I'm still a kid. So there's still things to do around. And, and there's, I suppose there's family here as well. So it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a good environment that you guys are around or how good is the environment? Oh, it's awesome. You know, staying here, it's great. You know, everyone loves the, the, the big man with the ears. Um, so, yeah, and people have got family filtering in and around and coming over and whatnot. So it's great. We want the players to embrace that, embrace their families um, and really enjoy the different parts of the World Cup. So I suppose they live it as much as the players do. Yeah, as well. definitely. Yeah. Getting the, the, the balance is important that they, that they understand how much their, their family mean to them. 
um, but also, yeah, what we're here to do. Uh, just to finish up with, mate, the, the game against Wales, it looked like a bash-a-thon. Yep. Uh, it, it, it was an old-school test match, it seemed like. You'd be the perfect judge to, to tell everyone uh, the difference. I mean, when we go back in our time, it was big and strong. Yep. Are the guys just bigger and stronger now? Is, is, is the physicality of the game changed so much that a, a, a Nathan Gray of 20 or, 2000, or 1999, 2000s yep. would make it today? Um, Oh, I don't. I don't like comparing sort of eras because the game just changes so much. I, yeah, physically, I, I don't think I'd. I think you know, being being males, we're like, yeah, we'll be sweet. We'd kill it. <laughs> that's our. That's our first. Straight that's up. our first thought. We're like, yeah. What do you mean? Of course we'd. Of course I'd kill it if I was playing now. Um, but knowing, uh, just seeing the guys now, the, the the intensities of the of the games have gone have definitely gone up. Yeah. The speed of the game, the accelerations of the game, and with the accelerations and the progressions of strength and conditioning and whatnot, the guys are they are fitter, faster, and, and stronger. Um, but yeah, it's all about getting that balance of you know having those physical attributes. There's also the, the nuances of the game and and the real silky skills that. You know, we do see a lot in the game now, um, but a l- the way the game's being played at the moment, it's, um, yeah, it is changing. It is changing. Where, where, where are you on that call from last night? I mean, yeah. I, know, I know it's hard for you to, to mention. Yep. Um, it's a contact sport. Well, which one, mate? Well, well <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, I mentioned after the game that this will have an impact now going down all the way through the ages, you know, as in, as in how players run with the ball. Oh, the, um, yeah, the career the, the, the Samu one, yeah, Absolutely. exactly right, because uh, that was just a great shot. And, and I thought, I thought in that instance there, Michael Hooper handled himself incredibly well. Absolutely. Where, yeah. he, where he, he, he was poised and mentioned about, hey, it was a, it was a poor technique from the tackler. Yeah. Um, how much, how mu- I mean, where's the onus rely on it now? How, how do you, how do yeah. you go yep. knowing your aggression and what you need to do in, your, in amongst this team? How's it? How's it work there? Mate, it's just it's just, I, it's so fr- it's really frustrating because I think the look at the at the end of the day, what the the goal of what they're trying to achieve in terms of player welfare is is fine, and yeah. that and that's really important. Don't don't get me wrong there, that is very important. But just the way they're going about it at the moment is just providing so much not clarity around mm. what the expectation is. Mm. So we play a violent sport. There is, it is a contact sport. No one, no one goes out there trying to take someone's head off and be aggressive and, and, be, and foul play. It occasionally happens. When it occasionally happens, you deal with it. Mm. But you're looking at the Samu situation. The guy's carrying the ball. The guy tackles high and he gets... He gets fended off, and it goes up into his in, onto his onto his jaw or whatnot. Yeah, it's part of the game. Like, let's yeah. get on and play the game. It's yeah. a the player welfare is important, but we've got to we've got to also understand the context of the game and and what the game is, mm. and and not not try and dilute it and be so clinical with it that it becomes cut and dry. Every situation is very different. Yeah. Let's, Let's just look at the game as a as a contact sport. It's a flowing game, and and yeah, we're not condoning guys getting their heads taken off, but it's just gone too far, and it's it's gonna, as you said, it's gonna impact the rest of this tournament to a massive degree, mm. and and we only hope that the consistency across, if they want to go down that path, that's fine, but it opens a opens a big can of worms around consistency. So that's what we'll be looking for, and, and making sure that they're continuing to do that, and then uh, encouraging our players 
to back themselves with their technique, whether they've got defending or whether they're carrying the ball. Mm. Being aggressive as possible and let's get on with it. Roger, I love your passion. Always have. Thank you so much for talking rugby. No worries, Berkey. Thanks, Good luck mate. For the rest Appreciate of the tournament. It. Thanks, mate. Now, next week, we'll have another special Wallabies guest for you on Talking Rugby. So, as we go deeper into the tournament, you won't want to miss an episode. So, make sure you subscribe. You've been listening to Talking Rugby with me, Matt Burke. Shine your boots, Governor. Yeah, all right, lad. They're looking a bit grimy. All right, I'll clean them up then. Sit down. Thank you. So you're reading the old paper there, sir. Yeah, what's it to you? Oh, I've got a new thing. It's a way to listen to the paper in your ears, you see. What are you on about, kid? I'm on about Ten Speaks Podcasts. What's a Ten Speaks Podcast? It's like a newspaper for your ear holes. Well, what sort of thing do they talk about then? All sorts of things, Governor. Go on. They talk about Western Australian sport there, mate. I see you got the sports pages. Yeah, yeah. Well, 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 who's that by there? Who says that? It doesn't matter about that one now. We're about to talk about another one. There's one about your house. Not your house. My, my house? Not your house. <laughs> Who's talking about my house then? I mean just houses in general. And other design related things. That one's with Barry Dubois. Barry Dubois? Yeah, you know, from the Friday show. From the, oh, from the living room. That's the one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, what if I don't want to hear about my home or other people's homes? That's all right. You strike me as the kind of guy who might watch The Bachelor. The Bachelor? I've watched a Bachelor. Well, maybe you'll hear a bit more about that on one of our Reality Bites podcasts. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. All right, the shoes are done, Governor. That'll be ten quid. How much? Ten squids, mate. That's outrageous. You're outrageous. I'm out of here.